righty. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is VR Jungle Havoc Podcast. I'm your host, as always, uh, Gerald C. This is our second run doing this because, um, obviously, my Wi-Fi just likes to crash when I'm in uh, bad storms. But today, I have Timber, who is an upcoming, uh, pretty much, I don't know if you guys have been around longer than a lot of people have actually have known because I've seen you guys around since the year that I've been here. Um, it's called NEPA, and they actually have uh, events going on right now. Um, so we might not run this as long, just so we can get um, people, you know, if they want to watch this and get back to that, um, we'll do that. But from here, Timber, uh, you want to say more about yourself and, and uh, the organization? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, I'm the founder of National Esport Professional Association, um, and it is really designed to capture the VR sport emerging market that's happening. Uh, and no doubt about it, Echo Arena is is really the first VR sport we think that actually hit the market that represents uh, or is at least closely related to traditional sports. Uh, so we started, you know, this has been almost a year in the making. Uh, we didn't launch our first pro team until I want to say April. Uh, and that was the Florida Laser Sharks. And so we, we kind of started with four. We added one more and they competed in VRML uh, just so that we could kind of get out there and kind of see what the response was. Um, and the response has been fantastic. And tonight we've got the New York Kings playing uh, in the finals, which we're obviously excited about. Yeah. So how long has that been going on to get to this point with the finals happening now? So the, the VRML season, I think, has been going geez, almost three months now. Yeah. Um, so the, the Kings and the Austin Burners and Raptors, um, you know, they were all pretty much set up in there to, to compete towards the final level uh, or get into the finals. Austin last night played Ignite, took him to overtime in round three, and what 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 a fun game to. Yeah, for sure. So, where can uh, most people watch these? At? Is there a designated uh, uh, tw uh, Twitch? Do you guys push it to YouTube? Uh, where can people catch all these matches at and like upcoming stuff for it? Yeah, so for the NEPA Pro Series, which is different than BRML. Yeah. So our pro, yeah, our Pro Series is on Twitch at uh, Watch VRSN. Uh, so that's where the majority of our broadcast is. Uh, we also, you know, we have other programs as well. That's on our website at nepavrpro.com where we can catch like a late night with Ivan Drive show, which is kind of cool and some upcoming programming as well. Yeah. Um, where the series will be, it'll be on Twitch. I know Ivan pretty well. He was actually um, underneath my organization Havoc for a little bit and he had his team and then he had his show and I think he picked more of doing the show stuff more than you know playing competitively because you know it's uh it takes a lot of time to do those shows and i've seen his show and it's pretty it's pretty good i saw last one i saw was when he had a lot of the captains that were circling around them basically talking about uh how everything's going to be working out yeah yeah so I yeah, really, yeah. yeah so i really i really enjoy that um but um i was also listening to something uh that you your team is the uh the laser sharks right that is my personal team. Yeah, that's yes. why I thought it was. So, do you uh, manage it, or do you play on it? Like, how does that work out um, there? No, I own that team, so I just all I do is pay the expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so, all of our owners, we have no player owners at all. Uh, they all, uh, like I say, they just they care. They, for the most part, take care of the expenses. Um, even in the draft, you know, the first round draft picks that that came through, uh, those players, for the most part, are would probably be most considered the team managers, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I, I play Echo Arena. 
there in this lifetime, I will never play Echo at Arena at a level that our pros play at. So, yeah, I don't even. I definitely agree with that. I've played like I, I think Echo Arena was one of my very first games I played when I got VR, and it, it was definitely an experience that got me like kind of the wow factor of like this is pretty crazy that this is what VR is. Um, but then when I actually brought in a team underneath the Havoc organization, I played with them, and I'm just like, okay, this is a different level than uh, I was expecting. I thought I can just go in there, start throwing a disc around. No, these people are literally swirling themselves around so fast and flinging that thing quicker than I've ever seen anyone do before. And not only that, but I'm just like, man, I really don't see the team dynamics that happen here until I started playing with people that have been playing for so long. And how they actually pass with to each other is very interesting. And I'm just like, okay, like that takes a high level of like just cognitive ability of understanding how to catch it and how to fling it and where your people are going to be at. So I definitely agree with you with it being a, a great VR sport to, to do, you know, make this strive properly. Right. No, it's, 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 it is amazing. Uh, you know, I jump in sometimes just to spectate and, and just the communication alone is, you know, um, I mean, I'd say that's, I mean, they're obviously very good at it, but the, their ability to communicate, not just what's coming up next, but what's coming up right after that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they are well ahead of the game. So, and it's happening fast. So it's neat. It's fun. Yeah. And so I was also just um, this going through Twitter earlier today. And so what's up with uh, these uh, AAA teams I'm seeing come through? Yeah. So we started with, you know, when we launched our, our pro series, we decided to limit it to 12 teams. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, part of that, some of that is financial, right? So we're, we're putting in roughly, well, we don't have to give you, you can do the math based on what everybody's making. I mean, yeah. that's not that. So, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you're talking in the 30, 40s, almost 50,000. And we wanted to make sure that what we did would make financial sense because we have investors uh, and we, we, want to make sure that we grow in a way that 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 the sport is ready for mm -hmm. you know I mean, echo arena small there's there's no doubt about it yeah but it's pretty small for long mm -hmm. so limiting to 12 teams meant that we had to limit to 60 pro players that we were going to draft and it did not take long when we started to look at the number of players and the specific players out there that there were quite a few that deserved to play pro um, that probably should be playing pro mm -hmm. uh, that we're not going to get drafted. And we wanted both to be able to capture those players, but as well, you know, playing at that level is not easy and not everybody can do it. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. So we had to have a system to where we knew um, that we had players that were ready to fill in because we have this thing in, at NEPA is, you know, you got to be good for the game. You can't be toxic. Exactly. Uh, got to be good for the team, right? So you got to show up, you got to play like a team member. Um, and then you have to be good at the game. So for the most part, you know, the 60 players that we have drafted, we've all talked with every one of them. They all understand kind of the way that we approach things and they, they all agree and we're moving forward. Uh, and then in the AAA, we get a chance to make sure that we get to reinforce that and that we know when, when players that we pull up to the, mm -hmm. to the leagues, we know that they, uh, they kind of get the NEPA style, if you will. Yeah, and so is it kind of the way how uh, baseball works with their AA, AAA system? Is the main is there one main overhead franchise 
that is the pro team and also has trickling smaller double uh, A triple A teams that say, hey, I want to put maybe a potential uh, uh, echo player in this, but just know at any point in time I can call him up to the big leagues if he starts, you know, being a phenomenal player. Is that how that works out, or is it just um, every year, every season, you have like a new draft? Like, hey, here's everyone that played in the AAA. Um, here's a roster of all these people that we think can become pro. Yeah, so so both to be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the pro series hasn't kicked off quite yet, so we'll see what happens when these teams start playing. Um, but yes, it is possible that players could be uh, given the option to move to the minors mm-hmm. uh, because there may be somebody that are that is playing in the AAA that probably deserves to be playing uh, at the major level. So it's a very similar system to Major League Baseball um, when it comes to that. We don't plan on staying at 12 teams. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I can tell you right now, we're definitely not staying at 12 teams coming up this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say as it is now, um, the majority of your AAA players that are there will probably, some of them will filter on up into the majors as we start to do. We will do an expansion draft, but in general, the 12 teams you see now are going to be relatively intact when we do that. But that's a little, little ways down the road. Yeah, and so I'm guessing that there's also going to be trades and, and all that fun stuff that we'll be swapping. Um, I'm very interested on, on how the trades are going to work because for the teams that I've owned so far and in the, in the series of games that I'm in, um, sometimes it's just not about trading someone that you think is really good. Like you could bring the, one of the best players in if they don't jive well with your team, you know, it could really ruin the team just by just because the dynamics isn't working well. So I'm very interested on how gaming is going to allow that to happen because when it comes to football, basketball, or soccer, it's usually there's so many more factors than just what is it three uh, like four players if you know right four players five five so yeah you got five players on there um, which is really interesting um, like like what's the roster is it going to be like ten people or is it like five and like two subs or is it uh, five and five for five subs. Yeah, so right now, each pro team has a roster of five. Um, just five. No, just five. Now, again, as this grows quite a bit bigger, uh, I think you'll see more rostered starters and some subs in there that is a much larger larger roster. Think NFL, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, we're kind of a ways from that right now. Uh, but, you know, Trades will happen just like you would see it. We're going to set a trade deadline to where, you know, we can't trade for stat teams, you know, um, but, you know, in general, I can see right now that that would be the driving factor for trades in the first pro series is if there's just a team that's just not jiving well together yeah. uh, and an owner wants to make a trade based on some, you know, some information that they've got that I, I could see that happening. We want, we want the players to have a good time too. Mm-hmm. Now it is, it is competitive. It is professional. Yeah. Um, but we do want them to have a good time. Uh, Now, as this grows and salary caps start getting much larger, Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, many, many years down the road, I absolutely can see where we're trading for the next first round draft picks. We're trading to, to get underneath salary caps and, you know, like I see all that happen in the future. Yeah. And so, you will eventually have to where if you uh, do so good within that, that season that you have a potential being a first round pick, you know, uh, team that will pick first. 
um, and just like the NFL where you can get rid of your first round draft pick for like the next, you know, for so many set, set people, you know, I've seen that a lot as well. Um, right. And so is that, how did this draft work? It was more of just like, Hey, uh, you got a, the group of owners together. Here's a list and just kind of uh, fantasy football kind of picked a type of deal. Well, the way, so this draft was, so yeah, I guess in a way it was somewhat like fantasy football. Um, we had some, some pretty long time players and, and people that we trusted inside of uh, that have been original gamers and even some they're not original, but um, they're well known within the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, did some rank ordering and, and assigned some points. So there was, you know, a certain amount of points that you had per round, but yep. The way it worked is all the owners got together a couple of weeks prior to the draft or yeah, about a couple of weeks prior to the draft. And we, no kidding, old school, put every team's name in a hat Really, and drew out first round draft picks. Yeah. I mean, really for the first one, you know, that's probably the safest route to go. Uh, just so no animosity happens or any type of uh, issues at the get go happen. Um, so you said you keep on adding more, you're going to plan on adding more teams. So, will you have eventually things out there for people that want to invest and have a team like out in your website say, Hey, like we're at 12, but next summer we plan on going from 12 to 20. So this is what you need to do. Here's your form, uh, fill out, you know, your credentials and stuff. And then obviously one of the biggest thing you would also probably not want to be a player either because you'd be doing so much as just the sole manager of it as well. Right. Uh, yeah, so we will have franchise applications that are on the website. Um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, we hold so there, you know, a lot of people see the future of Echo Arena coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and exactly. there's, uh, so we we probably, we, we had more investors than we had teams. So we, I, as much as I want the players to be good for the game and good for the team, the owners have to be good for the game and good for the team too. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, very, or at least I initially was very critical on, on, you know, who we brought in as investors and owners. And as the original uh, owners came in, then they also helped make sure that we had the right people that came in. Yeah. Um, so, and that will not change. So we will have franchise applications. There's, you know, it's a, it's a corporation. So there's, yeah, you know, kind of the standard stuff with that boring stuff. Yeah. And so every team, are they just an umbrella off of your organization uh, company name then? They, they are right now, yes. So they don't have to be uh, considered their own company, LLC, then, and then form with you? Okay. Um, yeah, and then so how, so is there a salary now for these players that are yeah. in this? Yeah. Are you are you uh, allowed to share like what an average yeah. player would make? No, we, we, we posted it. Um, you know, we – I mean, they're – Corporate strategies, I'm not going to be totally transparent about, yeah, but when it, but, it, yeah. but those things we want to be absolutely transparent because it'd be silly not to. I mean, the word's going to get out, but um, every we we would not allow you know anything to be not uniform. So for the nine week season, the first round draft picks get paid one thousand dollars for that series. Series mm-hmm. second round draft picks make eight hundred fifty dollars. Third round draft picks make six hundred fifty. Fifth round make five hundred, or sorry, fourth round make five hundred, and fifth round make three fifty. Yeah. And the way we kind of structured that is we looked at all the prize pools mm-hmm. that were out there and was like, what does one single player in Echo Arena, what would pretty much mean that they won one of the biggest tournaments out there? 
Yeah. One big payout mm-hmm. at $350 for a fifth down round draft pick pretty much exceeded that. So we were very, yeah. So I was happy. So I get, yeah, that, that's pretty cool that uh, it's out there and, and it's structured like that. And I know probably it will uh, evolve more because, you know, uh, just because someone got the number one draft pick, you know, they're probably not picking the number one goalie. They're probably picking probably the number one striker for, or that's probably what they're going for. Um, I, you know, so it'd be interesting when it comes to when people will start going for specific uh, locations in the field that they uh, that they need to be good at, like a goalie, for instance. Like I think so many people would pass an actual legit goalie uh, to be a first round uh, draft pick. Yeah, potentially, and I know that that there were there were quite a few, from what I understand, um, because the way that draft worked is uh, it was semi complicated once we got to the second round, but. You know, you had your draft captains, uh, and they're the draft captains were kind of the first round draft picks, mm-hmm. and they started to fill in the rest of the teams. Yeah, and there were some very talented strikers that either went late in rounds or went didn't go at all because they were trying to find goalies. Yeah, uh, so so that did play a factor. Mm-hmm. The other unique thing that happened in the draft was that uh, we had the five teams, right? The the Los Angeles Destroyers. Uh, and Laser Sharks, the Burners, mm-hmm. uh, Raptors, Kings, all of those owners, every one of them developed a personal relationship with every player that they had on their team. I mean, they, they really were engaged. Yeah. And they did not like, the players did not like the fact that we were splitting them up, understandably. And the owners did not like the fact that we were splitting them up. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, can you imagine the New York Kings owner when I tell him that, you know, one of the one of the superpower teams in the world is going to have to break up. You know I mean? It, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was so bad. I was like, I'll give you your money back, you know, but no, I'm kidding. No, he was, but he understood it. Um, yeah. But yeah when, definitely, I could definitely see that. I can, you know, you got, you got invested in this thing and you know, you have a powerhouse team. Then all of a sudden you're just like, well, if we want this to work out and be interesting, we have to start it fresh as an actual draft instead of here's the teams they're already established because once it becomes established, what's going to happen again next year when a draft happens and you want to bring it, then it's going to happen to have, it was going to happen eventually. And so right. why not do it from the get go? And I totally understand that. And I could definitely see how upset, how upsetting that is too. Um, so when these people, these, uh, these players come in, are they signing contracts? Like saying, if you don't make certain things, like you have to, uh, allude so much of your money back. Do they get paid from the very beginning? Or is them succeeding their contract to finish out the season, then they get their their money? You know, how does that work? Yeah, so the way that we structure it, because it's 1099, again, some of that stuff's kind of boring, but the way we structure it is we basically pay per game, right? So we take that money, we divide it by nine, mm-hmm. and then every three, three weeks, they are paid for three games that they play. Off the percentage yeah. of what they got picked for that round, right? Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's nine, whatever it is, you know, a thousand dollars divided by nine. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So every week they're making every game, not every week, it's only one game a week, but every week they make that money. Right. We just pay it out every three weeks because otherwise it's not a nightmare. Yeah, Um, for sure. So, yeah, because I, I know like not having any subs, just five players, like, man, it's just like, you know, life things happen. And so I can really see that. Is there any time like if they, Hey, like, 
uh, say like someone's wife or someone's having like a, a child, they're like, I just can't make it. Like I'm going to be out for a hot minute. Are they allowed to bring someone from a triple A team out of nowhere and just be like, Hey, well, this is just a fill in or do they have to forfeit? Well, we're not going to, they're not going to forfeit. Um, so the, the, the men is a uh, four people on a team. So we hope that that doesn't happen out of five players that two of them can't make it because the schedule is already released. Mm -hmm. So we already, they, they know exactly what day, um, you know, that they're playing for the next nine weeks. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, life events like that, you know, I mean, you're going to have those Yeah, for sure. in general, what we anticipate is that takes a team down to four and they don't have that fifth sub because we have a unique format that allows the sub to come in after every play, mm -hmm. um, but that they have to play as four. Uh, we could see that happening. If it fell down to three, then we would have to cross the bridge of looking at the triple A to see who is, yeah. who is going to come up. Yeah. And that'd be kind of a gray area. Cause it's like, you came back up here, up here, but then it's only one game. You got to go back down. Uh, Which, and that happens in major league baseball all the time. I mean, do you remember what was it? The Texas Rangers that were beating on the trash can. I, I don't know if you were tracking that they were cheating. No. Uh, -uh. Okay. I, not long story short, but the, so it's a major league baseball, right? So, um, and what they, they're stealing signs from the catcher, mm -hmm. right? So, so they know what the pitcher is going to throw. Okay. Well, um, and like I say, it was the Rangers, but so this guy gets called up from triple a for the first time, he's got a two-year-old and a, and a pregnant wife finally gets called up to the big show to go pitch pitches against the Rangers. They knock him out by the fourth inning. He doesn't get to go back. Oh, <laughs> and they were, so I can totally understand about getting called up, you know, and, and, that would be emotional. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, and this is just going to get bigger. And like, so in your opinion, like, and I know just, you know, I can voice how I, how I feel about it, but do you think right now you're probably the most structured league uh, or, or uh, organization within VR now, because I have not seen anything as well put together as what you have put together right now with the teams, the contracts and actually pushing towards things. You know, a lot of times it's just all talk. I've seen like VRML do so much and they're just an ongoing league, but then you went above and beyond and said, no, let's go ahead and make regional teams and let's actually make, you know, like an NFL or like the NBA out of this. Um, so do you think you're, you know, obviously the, the ceiling, there is no ceiling yet. So it's just up from here. Uh, do you think anyone else like, like you have somewhat accomplished what you've done so far? Oh, I think so. And, and, you know, when there, you know, then we put out a great uh, video or, or Twitter, whatever those are, uh, but he, he put comparing uh, NEPA and VRML, but I, I would say that what we did isn't necessarily better is it's just different, you know, um, to be able to manage five teams or to be able to manage 12 teams um, versus where VRML is managing 400 or however many they've got. Yeah. Um, and I would say in some ways what we do is a little bit easier um, because it is structured. We have contracts. We have, uh, you know, a limited number of teams. I have, you know, a limited number of headaches when it comes to it. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, it's, you know, and we, we do listen to our players for sure. We, we try to listen to the community. Um, but in general, it is, hey, this is how we're playing, yeah. right? We're, we're somebody like VRML or VR Party League or those community leagues that are out there, um, they are designed to be able to give anybody that wants to play a competitive experience. Yeah, for sure. And that is not hard. Mm -hmm. um, or I'm sorry, that is not easy. 
Uh, and I know I, I was in discussions early on when we came into the scene a little bit where BRML didn't really know what we were doing, um, mm -hmm. which understandably so, but I was like, I can promise you, I want nothing to do with what you guys have to deal with because they have volunteers yeah. uh, and it, it, what they, what they're able to accomplish, both a lot of the big leagues, the collegiate league, the BR party league, BRML, mm -hmm. what they've been able to accomplish is nothing short of, of truly amazing with, with all volunteers and the number of people they have in that. I, I, highly impressed with with all of those leagues yeah because they're just not in echo uh you know there's not a vr game that doesn't have competitive play that they're not in but so like for you though um are you only strictly going to be echo from here on out or do you have any expanding of any type of game uh that might be considered worthy of picking up and taking the same route that you're doing now like almost like since you guys are going more towards the sport route as since echo is like like almost like a, a fast-paced hockey in space type of deal. Uh, you, so you want to pick any up, like any first-person shooter type deal, would you? Or, or would you have to wait for another sport game to come out? Yeah, unfortunately we would. And, and there, there's a reason that that is, 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 I mean, we're not biased to anything, but um, our market and our niche is definitely inside of the VR sport. Mm -hmm. uh, not really the VR gaming. There's, you know, that's, first of all, that's relatively crowded market to begin with, but um, it just... It, it truly is about appeal too. Um, so with VR Sports Network, uh, you know, we want to be able to broadcast things that the average sport fan can sit down and go, that's my team. Mm -hmm. uh, and right now, a lot of like your first person shooters and things like that, it's like, it's like, that's my player, if you will, I guess, you know, like I'm not a big watcher of that. Yeah. Um, so, but absolutely as much as we are, you know, eyeing players that are playing inside of VRML to see who's going to be our next AAA players. Mm -hmm. uh, we, are, we are also looking at other, you know, games that could potentially be qualified as a sport and just saying it's a sport, like there's a football yeah. VR football game out there. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Seems fun to play. I haven't played it yet, but I don't think it would be very fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and so and that's, to be honest, that's kind of how this all started was really on the, you know, how entertaining it was to watch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's always good when a game puts out those type of uh, third uh, aspect, like view to actually follow the game. And a lot of things uh, when VR games come out and they have a push competitive, they miss that to where if you don't give us tools to watch the game, then you're not going to get anything competitive wise that's going to work out well. And so I've watched a couple of the games and the, and the shoutcasters that are watching it, they do a really good job following through the player and seeing each goal happen. Like they do a really good job with, without having really, really small, minimal uh, production skills whatsoever. Cause you just, all you have to do is put your headset on, make sure you're casting and, you know, follow around and you just pretty much just be a, be an announcer. And so uh, I'm really interested on how that's going to evolve. Uh, maybe have some type of AI that can float around and then have people more pushed out of the screen and don't have to have a headset on. I would like to see that happen, but you know, that's all, you know, speculations that if the future um, stuff comes out properly, you know? Well, I think the way I understand, so the in-game camera, I, I know that does exist in general, from what I understand, it's an API with access to cameras. So, so they are actually working at it from like behind a computer, not necessarily in the headset. Um, I will say, and it's something I can't necessarily get into right now, but over the next couple of weeks, some of the announcements that are going to come out as far as the the ability to view and what you will able to or what you'll be able to view mm -hmm. uh, 
are going to be amazing. I mean, I, I, you know, I deal with classified stuff all the time and this is just one I want to spill as fast as I can. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just utterly amazing. Yeah. And you partner that with, um, you know, we got, you know, we brought on because broadcasting matters. Exactly. Um, yeah. Especially for this, like in order for you to be successful, you have to broadcast it perfectly. Cause if you lose interest of your viewers, then what's what, why are they going to come for the next one? You know, exactly. You know, and, and part of it is, is, you know, both production quality and, and as well as the game. And, and I'll tell you, that's kind of how, you know, when I first played Echo, I'm not a gamer by any stretch. Um, you know, VR was my son handed, wanted a VR headset and I looked at it and I was like, well, this is kind of cool. So I just bought one. And then he was like, dad, you got to play this Echo Arena game. But I played, I was like sport, but it was like, there was something I was missing, you know, like it was like, it was definitely a sport, but I can't. And it was when I believe it was VR party league was doing like a country cup inside of their, uh, you know, inside of their league with the EU. And I was watching it on television because I like watching it and it was UK versus Spain. Mm -hmm. And my wife is from Spain. So she walks into our living room and she's like, what, what is this? Right. So yeah. I'm trying to explain it to her. Um, and I can tell you, I was in Spain when Spain won the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup. Oh, and awesome. that was, oh, it was an experience. I bet. I'm telling you, man, within six minutes of watching Echo Arena, I have a Spanish wife that is yelling at the TV <laughs> on why Spain doesn't have a goalie. Why are they missing that pass? And I go, that's what I've been missing. It's not a sport. This is a spectator sport. Um, and so, and so back to the broadcast thing, you know, we took it very seriously. We were lucky, very, very lucky. Um, we just brought on, you know, just over a month ago, maybe not quite, uh, Nick Thompson, who's the director for uh, Valley Sports Midwest ESPN. Awesome. And Brian Shapiro, who's the senior producer for both of those organizations. So to say that we think broadcasting is important, there's no doubt about, about it yeah. because we've brought powerhouses to, to get oh, it ready. Yeah, those are some big names. And they also have connections with ESPN and um, you know, I know ESPN's all over the place when it comes to like Instagram and having like the top plays, it'd be really cool to have type of a spiel of, uh, cause I know uh, ESPN does have an area for esports um, mm -hmm. where they show the top plays of either NVR playing like Pavlov or onward or just playing call of duty. And it'd be pretty cool right. to see it like a top 10 player, top five play um, of like, once every week or every month of what's going on within your organization like that'd be pretty cool it'd be a, it'd be big kudos for the actual players that were part of that making those big plays as well and really making a name for themselves uh well we're thinking bigger we're actually thinking that it won't be too long and we hope within the calendar year of 22 that we're not just going to have a couple of plays on on one of the major networks we're going to be playing games on there and maybe even our championships and those kind of things that is what we are working towards yeah that's that's pretty awesome yeah i would love to see that just because um not only just be good for echo but when it when i look at what i do um i could you know i have all these players in all these games and so i'm a whole vr person so anything that strives vr to be bigger uh in general is what I, I like to see. So what you're doing is just going to create this huge domino effect. And uh, um, so it's really great things. And 
I know we're, we're coming up uh, pretty close, and I don't want to keep you too long because I know you did say there's something uh, going on right now with uh, the finals, right? Yeah, VRML finals, yes. Exactly, so it's going on right now. And I did want to talk to you about one last thing before you got off, um, which was the charity event coming up in St. Louis. Um, just going to kind of want to go over that really quick because I know, uh, you know, charity is always very important. And uh, I wanted to see, like, maybe to get links to where people can get tickets. If it's just uh, your website, then I'll put it on there. Um, but basically, can you just say, like, what the charity is about? What do you guys plan on doing within the charity? And, and it's at Bush Stadium too, right? It is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so on our website, we've got a charity cup tab that you can go to and, and kind of get, you know, a more information you can sign up for it. Um, we have three partner hotels, one that should go up next week. Uh, St. Louis has been fantastic working with us uh, our partner hotels. Not only are they giving, you know, they're, they're blocking rooms, but they're kicking back money back to the special Olympics uh, for every room that stayed in. So people are getting special rates on rooms and, and the charity is getting taken care of too. Uh, and those are West End, the Hyatt Regency, and Hilton. So we're happy about that. But the charity event is something that I, I it is, I, I don't know that we would be doing the Pro Series 1 or even the Pro Series 2 that's coming up in the summer if we weren't going to do a charity LAN event. Mm -hmm. uh, and because, like you said, it's getting bigger. Uh, and the Special Olympics has an eSport division. And to not include VR and not include Echo Arena mm -hmm. Special Olympics is would be a crime, right? And so, if we can raise money to get the first electronic sport uh, into the Special Olympics, then we're absolutely going to do that. Yeah, that'd, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, so and then, it, sorry, go ahead. Um, so is the event just the Special Olympics, and you're um helping fund some of what's going on there, um, or are you guys actually the event is for you guys, like how it is specifically for you guys. Yeah, this is the, the NEPA Annual Charity Cup. Okay. Um, so, first, one. Yeah, first one. First uh, one. And so the in our charity of choice this year, and I, I anticipate there'll probably be a longer-term relationship, is the, the Special Olympics and their eSport divisions. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been working closely with the Illinois uh, Special Olympics of, and obviously the Missouri-St. Louis area Special Olympics, but multiple Special Olympics around um, to be able to, to support their different organizations. So, but, you know, and that, that's a good thing, right? So, I mean, hopefully we can get some headsets and things like that into those, those, yeah. those areas, which is great. But, but the charity event itself, you know, it, sure, we raise some awareness. We may raise some money. That's all great. But it's really about the LAN event, too. Mm -hmm. So we, don't, we didn't really want to profit off of a LAN event because the things that I care about are the player experience and the charity. Yeah, uh, sure. Now we've been able to expand that to be about the player experience, the sponsor experience, and the spectator experience. You know, I mean, people are so fired up about this. We've got, um, you know, we're giving away free spectator tickets. Anybody can come in and watch this thing because we think that's good. Awesome. Uh, we just got $25,000 worth of local advertising donated to us so that we can increase the awareness uh, of the local area inside of St. Louis to bring them to, to in. Uh, you know, one of the things, though, that I do want to, there's, there, I have seen, there's, because it's a NEPA annual, or a NEPA LAN event, it seems like that, that may imply that only pro teams can play. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, that is farthest from the truth. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to the format so that, 
that your viewers can understand exactly what we're doing for our land event. Uh So, so that there is some truth. We are going to have a professional bracket. So we have 12 teams and there's going to be four open wildcard spots. And that bracket will start in the afternoon of Saturday. Okay. Um, And so, yes, that'll be the the pro bracket with four wildcard teams. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be playing for kind of the, the, the center championship, if you will. Friday night after opening ceremonies and Saturday morning, we're going to have open brackets to where teams will compete. And then at the end of Saturday, the top four teams will go into those wildcard spots. Awesome. The ones that don't make it into the wildcard spots, we're going to have separate brackets running simultaneously with the pro brackets because our intent is to give every player a minimum of four games to play. Mm-hmm. We're going to have challenge match areas. So this should be quite the experience for the player. Yeah, so sure. So you have to be a pro to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And do the people have to bring their own headsets so they can be provided? How's that going to work out? They do have to bring their own headsets. Okay. So, and, I, and I will say it is going to be a quest event. Yeah, it's going to be a yeah, because you have to in order for people to be there. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I know, so I am, you know, I'm in Illinois basically. And uh, I hope, if not, I'll try and uh, maybe talk to my the company that I work for. But I work for Ameren, Illinois. And they uh, do a lot of things within Bush Stadium and a lot of things around there. So um, I'd be surprised if they weren't. Uh, going to help out with this in some way or, or you know get kickbacks um to help uh, more things be developed within it as well would love it would love yeah, it so i'll definitely reach out to someone i can and uh talk to him about it as well since um you know i can even go there as a as a person wearing an amaran shirt and, and try and talk about you know basically what's going on in st louis because the cool thing that we do there you know we, we're a utility company and uh by i think 2025 2030 all of uh um st louis will be green uh, green, uh, what do you call it? Green electric to where we're going to have solar panels on the top of buildings. We're going to be putting in a whole bunch of, uh, greenhouses. And so basically, uh, I think the only time we're ever going to have actual, like a gas or an actual electric grid going through is for like backups. But other than that, it's gonna be clean air. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. But yeah, but I really enjoyed having you on. Um, I think we can pretty much, uh, end it right here. Uh, I really hope great success for you. I know, I know that so far, uh, everything you've done so far and, and the charities that you're saying that you're, you know, plan on put together, this shows that you're going to, you're doing it the right way. Cause I know a lot of people just get greedy. They say, Hey, I just want money. And I see a lot of organizations and a lot of team owners, uh, just go under because that's all it's on their mind is money. And really, if you're doing something big for, for this, it's about community and show that you're a good person. Usually good people, strong leaders will have a huge following. And so I hope great success for you. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I do hope that we can prove to be that, that to be true because we do have good people inside of the organization and we're supporting a, a fantastic community and a fantastic game. And as much that we can do, as long as we can do it to move it forward, uh, we will absolutely do it. But I appreciate it, Matt. I really appreciate you taking the time too. Oh, not a problem. Really, really uh, enjoyed we had this and, uh, um, Hopefully everyone that's watching this right now, leave right now and uh, catch the end of uh, what's going on uh, for the finals right now. I, I guarantee it's going to be great broadcasting. Everything I, thing I've seen is always phenomenal. So everyone, this is VR Jungle Havoc Podcast, and have a good uh, rest of your week. See you guys.